Hello and welcome to the latest podcast of The Flower Pot. Today I have uh, Gary Davis with me and Gary is the Head of Trustees at the National Botanic Garden of Wales. Hello Gary. How are you doing? I should say Shemai. Okay. Yeah, Shemai, Shurike, Pernanda. We're going to be talking today as part of our series of podcasts which are looking at what is a botanic garden and Gary's going to be sharing with us his uh, views and knowledge about what it is to be a trustee and why he's a trustee and, and how our trustees are formed. But I've been working here for quite a few years, and over my time here I've been meeting Gary, even when he was working, because Gary's been associated with this botanic garden for over 20 years, so I think this seems like a really good idea to start off our podcast. Yeah. Could you just tell me a little bit, Gary, about how you started here? The, the, the first time I'd, I'd even heard of the Middleton estate was uh, over lunch I had with William Wilkins. And I think it was back in the mid-1980s. And William was talking over lunch about this wonderful estate, not too far away from Clandilo, uh, in between Clandilo and Carmarthen. And I thought to myself, uh, yeah, you know, this, this is never going to happen. But anybody that knows William Wilkins knows that, you know, he's a determined guy, the most yeah. determined guy I've ever seen in my life, actually. And lo and behold, um, uh, things started moving. I was working at that time with the National Trust. Um, so I was, you know, I was, I, I was aware of what was happening. And indeed, um, in the late 1990s, it all started coming together. I was working elsewhere by then. I was... Uh, working in uh, University of Glamorgan. I'd moved on to academia, but I was um, invited to join the team back here at the Botanic Garden. Now, at that yeah. time, I, I came, I think it was 1997. Okay, and what did you come as, Gary? As uh, head of marketing. But I was head of, actually, nothing at all, because when I, I remember the first day I came here, I didn't even have a desk. I didn't have, have a chair, and I certainly didn't have a department or a budget. <laughs> and having left University of Glamorgan, where I had a department of some 20 people and a million-pound budget, it was, it was a bit of a shock, actually. So what drew you here, then, just because you... Like I, I, I think the garden is something that gets uh, into your blood, uh, and once you catch that, it's with you for a long, long, long time, whether you work here or not. Yeah. And as soon, as I said, back in 1997, I started working here. There was no glass house. There were hardly any plants. I, I recall there was a day when we had a VIP visit, a politician coming, and, and I asked for a piece of grass to be cut. And I was told by, uh, by the hot head of horticulture, Ivor Stokes, that our lawnmower was being repaired. We only had one small <laughs> lawnmower. So... Uh, what was it? Well, it, it was excitement. It was a challenge. It yeah. was a huge challenge. Uh, it was the first National Botanic Garden to have been built in the UK for, I don't know how many hundred years. Over 200 years, yeah. Um, uh, it, Wales had never had one. Uh, it was a huge thing, not for Wales, but for West Wales in particular. Um, it was, as I said, it was coming up from nothing. So it, it, was, um, it was a challenge. And I've been a guy that's always liked having a challenge. Okay. Nothing spurs me on more when somebody tells me it's not going to work out, it's, it can't work, <laughs> or it's a poison chalice, so that just spurs me on a little bit more. And how long did you uh, work here for then, Gary? I worked here uh, for four years, up yeah. until 2001, and was offered, on, on the back of the job here, I was offered a, a very good job as head of the Tourism Partnership, Strategic uh, 
director with Visit Wales or Wales Tourist Welsh Government at the time. And that again was a startup company. It was, um, it, it came from nothing at all. It was all about getting um, the different counties, public and private sector, to work together more effectively in West Wales, Pembrokeshire, Camar and Swansea, and yeah. East Port Talbot. So that was exciting times. But and I was there for fourteen years. But even then, I was um, because the job was what it was tourism and development and so on I I was uh, very much involved with the Botanic Garden in that time as well but albeit in a different guise and that's why I think I probably cross paths with you every now and again because I was doing interpretation here and I think maybe you just meet people in Wales anyway don't yeah you? you do and and once you as I said once once you're involved with something like that that it, it's always with you I guess it's okay. it's always with you yeah, just ask uh, just a question from uh, from the very early days just, some, just something that you've you can remember that really you saw all the way through that you can still see today that you go, oh yeah, I remember, I yeah, remember that starting. Yeah, 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 loads of them, loads of them. I, I, there's a particular olive tree in the glass house when I, yeah. I remember it being delivered and it was about seven, eight o'clock at night. And um, yeah, I helped, um, t- 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 lumped it on my back and, and take it down with Ivor Stokes and put it in the glass house. So I still look at that tree. Yeah, there's not many, because the garden was being built in the, between 97 and 2000, and all the buildings were being renovated at different times. There's not many places except the science block that I haven't worked in. So I worked in all these different offices. Did you? So I've seen them go from one stage to the next. And I remember the day the garden opened because we walked down uh, with a few colleagues, senior staff as yeah. and other staff, all staff, to meet the first guests coming in. And because the tarmac on the Broadwalk had only been laid down the night before, our feet were actually that morning were sticking to it as we were walking oh, down. Oh, funny. So that's yeah, how yeah, close yeah. to the wire it actually got in terms of opening. Yeah. And we had no idea. Uh, because you can do all the market research if you like, and you can ask people, and we did that for a number of years to try and estimate how many visitors would come in. Yeah. But until you actually opened the gates, you, you never knew how many were going to come in. But uh, they came in there tens of thousands, even so much on that first week that we were having complaints from the police because they were backing up to the dual carriageway, the uh, uh, right. A47. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that, 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 and, and that year was, you know, it was a busy, busy year. But there was a sense of, um, of team working here. That's, that's what I remember. And it was a small nice. team. There, there, was, there was only, at the, you know, at the onset, uh, 15, 16, 17 people working here. And when we opened, it was only... 40, 50 people. So people had to work with each other. So, you know, yeah, t- taking that olive tree down to the glasses is something. I remember putting in the, the, the chemist shop as well with Rodri. And so everybody just mucked in, you know. It's yeah, I've, talk, I've talked to uh, Rodri about doing the chemist shop because, again, they were painting that the night before as well, I think, before the opening abs- as well. Abs- absolutely. So, so we, we all mucked in. Whatever, whatever job you did, we, yeah. so, we sort of worked in together. And then, of course, when the garden opened, it, the organisation got much bigger and, uh, you know, things changed. That's fascinating, that. And, and just out of interest, at the time when you were uh, as an, an employee here, yeah. did you uh, work with trustees at the time? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I I had a lot to do with them at the time, and um, yeah, we uh, the first chairman here was a gentleman called Dan Clayton Jones, who's still involved with the garden in in uh, in, in in certain matters. Yeah, I had a lot of time working with, with the trustees. Um, uh, we used to go to the trustees meetings. Yeah, which is something I want to see happening again, and I I I, th- I think. 
Bruce, having been a member of staff here and having worked large part of my life, if you like, on the other side of the fence, you know, I can, I, I know that staff think, you know, team of trustees are maybe, you know, they don't know what they do. They probably think they're a waste of space, a waste of time, <laughs> you know. And one of the things that I'm, I'm absolutely determined to do is to bridge that gap between the staff, the executive yeah. and, and the trustees. The Botanic Garden now has over 200 volunteers. And the trustees are nothing more than an extension to that. Yeah. They're, they're a set of people who have a different uh, skills base. We, we have a solicitor, we have uh, cost and audit accountants, financial people, scientists, educationalists, planners, marketing people, communications people. And they're just the same as all the other volunteers. They have a, a contribution to make. And that is what they do. Um, but of course, the, the, the purpose of the trustees is, a, is, is also a legal one, because as you're aware, the garden is a, um, is a company limited by guarantee, not for profit. It, uh, it has legal obligations, responsibilities to the charity commission. So you call it a charity? Yeah. Oh, it is a charity. Yeah, yeah. It is a charity. It makes, yeah. no, it ma- makes no, uh, no, no profits. It yeah. may make a surplus, hopefully, uh, at the end of the year, which it really has done. But all the, any money that the Botanic Garden makes goes straight back into the Botanic Garden. Yeah. So there's no shareholders. Um, and indeed, none of the trustees actually claim any expenses. So they do so at their own expense. But yeah. they're there to ensure uh, that governance is in place. There are certain uh, uh, protocols that one has to adhere to, and they're there as much as to protect the executive and the staff as they are to protect the garden, uh, because one has to comply with the legalities of employment, health and safety, and you know that 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 is a that uh, that is an issue that that I'm frequently I remind myself on that. As chair of the trustees, ultimately we we would be held responsible if anything uh, didn't didn't get managed uh, or governed the way that it should be, yeah. and something would go awfully wrong here because we have a duty of care to uh, our staff, our volunteers, but also to our visitors as well. So instead of protecting the staff, the trustees are there to protect the staff as much as what it is for anything else. And and I mean that's quite a responsibility. So. Um, You've retired, haven't you, from your working career, have you? Yeah, I thought I had. It's, it's a word I've, I've shied away from, but I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I have, I guess. Yes, I have now. I, I'm not doing any paid work. Anyway, You're still quite a sure. young lad, aren't you, really? Yeah, yeah I, I took a decision some four or five years ago that, um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd worked, um, I needed to spend a bit of time with, with my family, more, more than what I had been doing over yeah. the past 30 years. I... Um, Going back to when I started here, it was a busy, busy time. A bit because the garden was part of the Millennium uh, 2000 celebrations. The yeah. the Botanic Garden had, and this this may sound sort of exotic for you, but there was a, uh, it, it was part of the contract with the Millennium Commission that we would partake in sort of international exhibitions. Yeah. So I did lo- a lot of travelling in in the year before the garden opened. I think it was seven countries in total. Uh, in the year before it opened because we had to partake in places like Japan and North America, Vancouver, uh, uh, all sorts of places. And I recall going home, I'd been away for 10 days, going home one night 
and my little girl, who was five at the time, opened the door and shouted out, "Mom, your husband's home!" <laughs> oh no! So yeah, that, but I've been lucky. I've had a fortunate time. Yeah, I've, I've been very lucky in terms of the jobs that I had. I've, I've been able to enjoy my work, been able to travel, and uh, I've enjoyed it. So I've, it was time to put a little bit back in as well, to, which is what I consider I'm doing. And you, you joined as a just as a trustee. Um, how many years ago? Uh, four years. And who persuaded you, or who asked you, or who approached you? Do you remember? Julie James. Oh, uh, right. Oh, Julie, who's, who's still yeah. on the trustee? Yeah. Julie had worked with me previously as as a Welsh Government uh, member of the Tourism Partnership. So, yeah. so she she knew me, and um, when she found out I wasn't had <laughs> finished work, <laughs> she came knocking on the door. But I did come back here before before becoming a trustee because there was a gap in between the previous director having finished, uh, Dr. Yeah. Plummer, yeah. and and us finding a new so I, a, a new director. So I came back here, Francis. So I came back for I think it was four or five months before Hugh came on board. So that's an interim director, isn't it? That's what yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and um, I recall at the time saying that uh, I'd be happy to come back sort of part-time but I knew that wouldn't work you know this it's not even seven days a week and this job is eight or nine days a week <laughs> so it, yeah it, it's a full it's a full-on job it's yeah so when you became a, a trustee Gary yeah. um, you uh, it wasn't long before you became the head of trustees no um, Rob Jolliffe our previous uh, chair um, Rob had been trustee for ten years Ten years plus, and it was time for him to to, to step down. Robert decided that he had to step down, um, and I then became a, a trustee and then vice chair to uh, Rob Jolliffe. And then when Rob sat down, somebody put my name for this chair. I'm not quite sure how it became about it. Quite honestly, yeah, yeah. I often ask myself, how, hey, how how did this happen? Because I'm not a I'm not a committee man. I never have been, but I, um, as I said earlier, you, you, you need a dedicated bunch of people. They're volunteers, the same as the people who guide people and the people who work in the garden. They're a bunch of volunteers yeah. that have a contribution to make, and, um, and that is what the trustees do. And so when you became the, the head of trustees, yeah. uh, I, I kind of assume it's probably taken up more time than you thought it might have done. Am that's I right? A, that's a fair comment. <laughs> I... I, th I think in, in the papers that you get to become a trustee, which is open to anybody, I should add, mm. uh, open to anybody at all to, to apply to become a trustee. There's, I think, I th I think the, um, uh, we are allowed up to 20 trustees, and I think we've got some 15, 16 at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah it says between 12 and 15 days a year. I think it's been more like 12, 15 days a month <laughs> over the last 18 months. Well, you copped it's, it with COVID as well, haven't you? And that's like uh, been a big... Uh, well, it's not no one can plan that, obviously. and Because no. a lot of people would have been furloughed or people working from home and have had to, like, pull in favours, I dare say, here and there. Yeah, it's been know. a busy time. It's been a busy time. Our first concern was, obviously, for our staff. And we made, made an early commitment... Um, which which the trustees supported entirely that we would seek not to make anybody redundant. Yeah. Uh, however, we, which way this would turn out, you, you know, because our staff 
Uh, you know, that's that's key to it. Yeah. And, and I think that's been repaid by their loyalty over the last 18 months, their dedication, which has seen the garden actually go from strength to strength, odd as it may sound, over the last 18 months. Well, Gary, I was in there only yesterday. It was just, it was just a sunny day, and the garden was full of people yesterday. And it was, it was, it was like observably busier than I've seen it for years. And the, and the feedback that we get in from visitors is, is absolutely fantastic. We're, yeah. we're, we were last year, or when we, we went into COVID in a stronger position than what we've been ever since the garden opened 20 years ago, uh, with some 160,000 visitors, yeah. which is up by 40% over the last three years. Yeah. So we went in there pretty pretty strong. And I, I'm determined to see us come out of it as, as, as strong as well, because we've, we've used the time to gainfully um, have another look at our strategic plan, our vision. What, what, what do we want to be? What is the National Botanic Garden of Wales? Very good yeah, question. Yeah. We've, we've, we've dug back and we've, we've worked alongside the senior management team to, to see what, what you think it is. Where should we be going? What, 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 what's the destination in 10 years' time? How do we want to do this? What do we need to have in place to achieve that? So. At all times, we've been seeking, because it is a unit, the trustees has to work with the senior management and senior management with the trustees. Yeah. Otherwise, it, the jigsaw just simply doesn't come together. Yeah. It doesn't come together. Yeah. Um, and of course, you have to have different departments working together, which has always been the big challenge in the garden, because I think it would be fair to say that the common denominator with all Everyone who works in the garden is their passion for the garden, yeah. but also, also the view that their department should be given more money and resources than the next <laughs> department, and that's yeah. never gone away. So you have yeah. the science, and you have the horticulture, and you have the education, and you have commercial, and it's difficult sometimes to match up commercial with uh, more charitable objectives that the garden has got. So I think, am I right to say, about 70% of our income comes from self-generated income, with 30% from uh, grants and government support? Yeah, the highest proportion of our income is uh, via people coming through the gates and the money that they spend afterwards. And, you know, we, we could, and it, people have complained and, and whinged about it going back over 20 years, that we should be given more money, but the fact of the matter is that that is what it is. Yeah. And unlike maybe Kill or other botanic gardens in the world, we, we have to paddle our own boats here to a large extent. Yeah. But I have to say over the last few years as well, Welsh Government and other statutory bodies have begun to um, realise how important the botanic garden is to Wales. Yeah. It's an iconic destination. Um, and the support now is far more forthcoming than what it has been in the past. Just on a personal observation, Gary, I mean, I noticed that uh, because of a lot of, um, as, a, as a modern botanic garden, uh, part of our mission is to be to create a more sustainable future. Yeah. And that sort of idea has come on more and more over the last, particularly, I think, five or six years. People are really getting to grips with, oh, we really need to look after the planet a lot more now. And I think people are coming to, it's just something I've noticed, that we get a lot more inquiries Loads of people are engaging a lot more with uh, not only the work we do on biodiversity, but um, even plant health, even the, even biosecurity. All these th issues, th th they're really 
people start to understand, I think, uh, the role of the Botanic Garden in actually creating a more progressive society. It, it um, certainly has been more on the agenda over the last three, four years in particular. Yeah. But I would, I would go as far as to say that the first director here, Charles Sturton, yeah. never stopped talking about sustainable development, never stopped talking about climate change, never stopped talking about how important it would be for the health and welfare of future generations and that the garden's key mission yeah. was to deliver on this agenda. So, so much, in fact, you know, we used to look at Charlie and think, oh, yeah, yeah he goes. But Ch Charlie, 23 years ago, was talking of a global pandemic, influenza yeah. pandemic, oh, which yeah. would change the world. And, you know, sometimes we looked at him and said, oh, yeah, Charlie's on, you know, he's gone on about it. But yeah, 20, 20 years plus ago, Charles was talking about this. So yeah. that, in that respect, the, it may have lost this momentum, it's, it's sustainable development and climate change and it's the important role of the, in, in the intervening years. But he was there at the beginning and I'm glad to say it's now firmly based with us again. I, I think. Yeah, and one of, the, uh, one of the things I think the Botanic Garden's been good at has been honest about mistakes it's made as well, which, yeah. but but also happy about things it's done well. So you know, um, uh, we're actually sat now in a building which was used to recycle water, yeah. and we recycle all our wastewater in a pond right next, we're just like a few yards away from where it's done now. But we have a biomass boiler just uh, again another about fifty yards away from here. Uh, we have solar panels just on the hill here. So we've done a lot of different things. Some have worked well, and some are now 20-year-old uh, uh, technologies yeah. which need updating. And again, it's quite hard to do that. But I think, I think just by being honest about what's worked and what hasn't worked, I think it helps other people understand that. I don't think we've got, you know, I think it helps other people inspire other people as well. Absolutely, mistakes were made, I'm sure. Yeah. And I, I'll touch on a few of those. But coming back to the recycled water, I remember Ivor Stokes, who's uh, director of horticulture here, here at the time, always telling me about the recycled water and always trying to get me to drink out of it. But I never saw him drink out of it. <laughs> you know. But yeah, the, 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 yeah, the mistakes had to be made in order yeah. to learn. I, I think the biggest mistake of all um, was when the garden opened. It, I mentioned a little bit earlier in, in 2020, in, in year 2000. We had 233,000 visitors in that first year, which was hugely popular. Yeah. And the business plan was to go back down to 150,000 the following year because there was a novelty value with it. Um, unfortunately, the biggest mistake at the time was that the powers that be, I've got to say I'd left by that time, <laughs> had increased the visitor target to 300,000 for the following year, Ooh. had yeah. staff at the garden had almost doubled yeah. and then lay financial problems because the garden then got 150,000 not 300,000 we were spending on the profile of 300 so the lesson big lesson learnt was in terms of visitor numbers and income don't be over ambitious yeah. the garden was going to take 15 20 20 30 40 years to establish itself yeah. And trying to force it to grow was not going to be good. Yeah. And that, that, that basically was the, was the financial hole that the garden found itself in in, um, in the years 2002 to 2010. 
as a marketing man as well, you, you will, um, I, I certainly, you can put the telly on now, and if you flick through the, all the satellite channels or whatever they are, you suddenly find the guns keep popping up on these programs, because so many programs have been made about here now. We had Antiques Roadshow yeah. down here, had Bargain Hunt, and I can't remember what all those names of programs are. Absolutely. Honest. But yeah. funny enough, you, they suddenly keep appearing on all these yeah, sort of Dave TV or something. Uh, but this is great, and you know, all, all country files or whatever it is, and, the, and it's... And the profile of the garden is getting bigger and bigger, and I think that just that really helps marketing. So, um, from a general marketing point of view, do you have you observed how the botanic garden has become more of the cultural uh, go-to in Wales? Yeah, it has. Uh, but but we start from the base as well in Wales, particularly in West Wales. There there was no garden offer, unlike unlike let's we often get compared with Devon Cornwall and Eden Project yeah. and Heligan, but Devon Cornwall. Uh, I've had a, a garden destination. I've been the garden destination counties for a hundred years. Yeah, people have been flocking there. I think it was ten million at one time, and the you know, number of people have gone down there to see the gardens. West Wales never had that, yeah. and it was only well there we are uh, twenty years ago that the Botanic Garden opened. It was a year before then that Aberglasney opened, and it was only about three or four years at Dinevel. That's not strictly a garden; it's a landscape. Opened so the whole garden offer in West Wales was not uh, that attractive to garden to garden visitors so yeah. so to a certain extent we've the whole of west wales has been building up that that garden is becoming now to be seen as a destination that garden lovers want to come to yeah um, as for the national botanic garden i don't think anybody had much of an idea what it was is it like a national trust property is it like public and I, I, I think politicians for example didn't quite grasp what the National Botanic Garden was, yeah. as indeed I didn't before I came to work here. I, I, that is embedded in its mission, its core mission, to deliver education, sustainable development, uh, science, and, and those sides of the garden hardly make any money. Yeah. It's, you know, th those, 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 are the, those are the activities that make us a National Botanic Garden that cost us money, quite yeah. rightly. It's the money on the gate that helps pay for that. Um, in an ideal world, in an ideal world, all the science and education work that we do would be would be funded. Yeah. But it's not, you know. So we've we've always had to to make sure that we get that balance. I think is what we need between commercial activity and achieving our key mission. But let's make no mistake about it. If we were to cease education science, sustainable development, lifelong learning, then we cease to become a National Botanic Garden. We're just a park then, aren't we? Well, we're just, we're just a park. <laughs> we're, we're just a park. So, yeah. so that is the key element within it. And sometimes people have to be reminded of that fact. I'll give you another one as well. As an early market, uh, the first marketing manager here, uh, did you sometimes think the word National Botanic Garden of Wales was quite a mouthful at the same time that Eden was coming up? You know, a four-letter word <laughs> attraction. There, there was a lot of debate about it. Yeah. A, a lot of debate about it at the time. Um, uh, and, and odd as it may sound to you, even as a marketing guy, yes, a bit of a mouthful. But having that national title within it has paid dividends over the years because we are the National Botanic Garden of Wales. But there was a, a, a get-out clause within that title, uh, which we've used. And I, I'd, I'd like to see it coming back coming back into fashion, we use the Garden of Wales. 
Yeah. That is what we call ourselves. Yeah. And, and it was only on official documentation and what have you that we used the National Botanic Garden of Wales when right, they grant applications to Welsh Government. We remind them with the National Botanic Garden. But from a, from a commercial point of view and a marketing point of view, we used the Garden of Wales. Yeah, a lot of people said, why don't we have something like Eden? And why don't we have that? But I don't think that would have you, you know, adequately changed the marketing. Yeah, it's 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 the National Botanic Garden of Wales. That's very right, great. But we can abbreviate that, the Garden of Wales. <laughs> and, and you personally now, so you've now been the uh, the head of trustees for how long now? Time goes so fast. Um, uh, chair trustees for coming up to three years, I think it is. Three years. Three so years. Uh, do you ha- do you have a certain length of time? That yeah, we have. We we introduced it. Um, it. It was always there, but I, I don't think it was activated. We, we've now firmly established that uh, a term of office for all trustees is three years, yeah. but you, and you can only serve two terms. Okay. So there's a maximum of six years. But obviously we couldn't introduce that all at the same time, otherwise we'd have had all the trustees finish in the same year. Uh, so we had a new, uh, 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 a number of new trustees join us last year that are now going to be put down so yes i don't envisage my most definitely uh going over and above what is being asked of me <laughs> to be diplomatic <laughs> and if someone listening to this uh, would like to become a trustee what, what's, what's the best thing they can do they they, they they need to demonstrate their commitment to the garden in in terms of uh, saying why they'd want to become a trustee and what it is that they could contribute towards uh, as being a trustee as i said earlier we look for certain skills um I'm sure if I applied to Will Richie to be a volunteer gardener, he would politely turn me down. <laughs> so there are different skills that are needed yeah. for different volunteer jobs, and that, that is exactly the same with the trustees. We, we, we encourage and we invite a, a greater diversity in, in, in terms of application from different, um, um, from different places in our communities which are underrepresented to a yeah. large extent. So we, we actively go out and, in, and encourage people to, to, to apply as trustees. But uh, I have to say the take-up in lesser represented societies has, has not been that forthcoming. But I, I hope that with this podcast, anybody interested listening may put an application in. And that could be done any time. It's not a particular window, is it, that you can apply? Or? No, we don't. No, we don't. As we say, we have that. We'll we'll begin now to have this turnover yeah. of of trustees uh, on a year on a yearly basis. So there will be people. I'm not sure to hand how many uh, uh, this November at our AGM. There will be a number of people stepping out. So we will need a number of people stepping in, and that that keeps that keeps matters moving forward. Uh, fresh eyes commitment to the garden um, but at the same time ensure that we have that sense of continuity as well in terms of being able to deliver our mission yeah because the one thing as we all know even I understand about gardens is that it doesn't come together overnight yeah this is a long-term project and we have to look we just, just completed uh, in draft anyway the uh, the 10-year strategic plan for the garden yeah. So we've got that now in place, ready to go. Uh, and although things will change within that, um, it does give us a, a direction of travel, which we want to achieve over the next decade. Oh, Gary, Jochen Bauer. Jochen And that's been really good. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Bruce.